0: Coaches, this is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to episode number 47. Today we have Coach Kevin Eastman. Kevin Eastman is an international corporate and sports team speaker who spent 13 years in the NBA. His roles included being vice president of basketball operations and assistant coach for the Los Angeles Clippers. Kevin was also an assistant coach for the 2008 NBA champion Boston Celtics. In addition to his time in the NBA, he serves as the national director for the Nike Basketball Skills Academies, spent 22 years as a college coach and 4 years as a college director of athletics. Over his 40 years in the game of basketball at the collegiate and professional levels, Kevin Eastman has studied what makes the best the best: their habits, mindset, strategies, and everyday choices. Known as a thought leader in the basketball and sports worlds, Kevin is now an engaging speaker who inspires a wide range of audiences, from sports teams to diverse corporate groups. What sets Kevin apart from many other speakers is that he has lived in the world of the best while observing and studying them every day. His curiosity and dedication to learning provide the backdrop for delivering powerful talks on leadership, culture, Teamwork and why the best are the best. I guarantee you're going to want to take a few pages of notes as you listen to the episode of the Championship Vision podcast with Kevin Eastman, author of the book, Why the Best Are the Best. Check out the show notes if you're interested in purchasing the book. It will be money well spent. Please enjoy our conversation with Coach Kevin Eastman.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's good then.
0: All right. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. Yep. That's
0: great. Yeah. Hey. Um. Hey. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Uh, we got oh, Kevin yeah. Eastman on, and uh, man, I've been I've been trying a long time to uh, get you on here. So we're so excited to have you.
1: No, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Hey. Uh. Hey. Before we. Uh, before we get started. Um. Tell me a little bit about those games last night, didn't you think that was so, uh, that was so unique being kind of a defensive oriented final four? You don't see that too often these days, do you?
1: No, don't see it too often, but uh, that's just kind of who was there. So, uh, you know, I think what you often see is, is um, people win uh, pretty much like their personalities in terms of their team. So, and I thought that was on display yesterday. Because uh, the
0: shots were hard. Oh, yeah. oh man, I, I haven't seen four teams so equal. Now I don't know if it's lack of offense or the best players, you know, going the Duke and Kentucky. I don't, I don't know how it works, but so, so for all four teams, so equal and so focused on D. I love all the coaches in there, don't you think?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're fun to uh to watch, fun to study.
0: Absolutely. Hey, tell me about the first question I have is. um and this is kind of how I started my podcast. Well, you, you always mention about learn- it-alls, And I absolutely love that. Please just, just kind of tell us a little bit about why you believe the most successful people are learn- it-alls. I mean, they're always we studying.
1: Well, I think learn- it-alls are successful simply because um, they understand that um, knowledge can't stay where it is. Because everything around you changes and uh, our game has changed. Uh, speed of technology has changed. So in order for you to keep up with, uh, or more importantly, to be uh, very successful, to stay ahead of, uh, you've got to continue study, studying. You have to keep reading. You have to keep learning. Um, and then the other thing I think is that uh, it, it keeps you with an attitude that I don't know at all. And uh, it keeps you, uh, uh, I, I would think, a little more humble uh, as well. And I, I think uh, whether you're a coach or a, a leader, uh, humility is, a, I believe, a separator. Uh, and those who have that, that little stroke of humility, um, I, I think that uh, those are the ones who have the, the best opportunity to, to get the most out of themselves.
0: Yes. And you always talk about the curious mind. I love some of the things that you say Uh, and I love listening to you and I've listened to so many podcasts of you. Um, I mean, do you think in the coaching profession, we're doing enough of that, particularly at the the high school level, are we constantly sinking information uh, out there? I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure. I know I run camps and clinics and it's hard to get coaches to it. What does that mean? I mean, our coaches are coaches kind of staying satisfied on what they know
1: well I I, I think there's a new element in the environment and that's that you can get a lot online now Um, so I constantly hear that uh, coaches aren't as interested and they're not the way they used to be because they're not attending clinics I I just think the mode the modes of learning are a little bit different now and um, uh, my My hope is that uh, coaches, regardless of the the mode or the mechanism that they use, will continue to try and learn the game. And and another mechanism is you get in your car and you drive to uh, another school or you get to uh, three or four coaches together and you share ideas there. I I have heard some of that uh, now going on a tad more than i used to hear it going on so because you can learn from anybody uh people at your level people uh a level below you or obviously certainly uh people level or two above you
0: yes and that's happening because i know a lot of quite a few coaches that are actually getting together with fellow coaches and just talking the game brendan sir i love brendan i listen to his podcast all the time y'all created coaching you um Coaching you is going crazy right now. What, what, why did you guys create that? I'm not sure if you're still involved with Brendan, but I tell you what a great resource for coaches that is.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, no, I'm, I'm not uh, directly involved anymore. Um, I can't remember, maybe 10, 10 years now going. I'm not sure. But um, I had this idea of, of uh, doing a clinic that was heavy, heavy, heavy on content and less on jokes and stories. So um, I knew how I wanted to get it done. And uh, but I also knew I had to have probably someone else to help me in in certain areas of of getting that done. And that's when I brought the idea to Brendan and said, Look, uh, if you'd want to do that, let's go in uh, on this. And um, uh, obviously, he did. And uh, then when I decided to uh, leave the NBA and start doing my own, um, uh, corporate speaking that I'm doing now, uh, speaking to college and professional teams I'm doing now, I really didn't have the time to put into it. So, uh, we just created an agreement where he would take it over. And part of the agreement was that I would, uh, at least for the first three years, with this being the third year, the one that we're currently in that I would, um, I would speak at the clinic um, uh, each of those years, so uh, he's continued to to um, to help it uh, thrive and uh, has even put some new ideas into it. So, uh, uh, more power to coaching you and more power to Brendan.
0: Yes, and he's got some great. I love the guests that he has on there, and I'm I'm just a big believer in podcasts because I have to drive an hour every day, Kevin. So uh, I listen to everybody and I learn so much maybe because I'm an auditory person. Maybe I learned through that, but um, I think podcasts are a great way to, um, to share. Don't you think? Is that, is that kind of the wave of the future a little bit because everybody's on the move?
1: Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, that's one of those other mechanisms that we were talking about uh, a little bit earlier is To me, it's it's not so much which one do you uh, do you utilize, but are you utilizing something that can help your growth, your development, your improvement uh, as a coach, as a leader, as a person, um, as a worker, as an employee? It doesn't matter. So, but I, I yeah, I think podcasts because everybody's going uh, so fast and there's so much clutter in people's lives, and sometimes uh, the car has now become an oasis and and you can get away from people and just kind of be with you, the car and your thoughts.
0: Yes. And, 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 you're a big believer in that, right? Cause I know you have every day, you spend a lot of time thinking and kind of um, trying to apply all the ideas that you pick up. Tell our audience about that. Tell, tell what you do every day to gain the knowledge that you do.
1: Well, there's certain things that I want to make sure I get out of it every day. And, um, two of them that we're talking about right here is just time to sit and think uh, where there might not be anybody else around. And uh, I call that think time. So uh, trying to make sure that I do that. And it doesn't, doesn't have to be in like two hour blocks of time. It could be uh, 15 minutes here, 30 minutes there, uh, taking a drive uh, that might be a 20 minute drive where you're just together with you and your thoughts. Uh, and then the other thing I try and do is, is, uh, read every day. And, um, <clears throat> I can, I can say that I, I probably read and have done this even when I was in coaching about two hours each day. And, uh, that could be books. It could be articles. Uh, it could be listening to a, a, a YouTube, uh, um, could be a podcast. I, I kind of group all of that together. Uh, in the reading segment. So um, it's just something, you know, if something's important to you, you will find time to 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 not only find time, but you'll make time uh, to get that into your day. And more importantly, you will make time because it's, gosh, it's it's so hard to find time anymore.
0: Yeah. And you've been a great mentor, to me, uh too. I mean, of course, you don't know that, but you've had a great impact on how I coach and how I approach that because I'm studying all the time, probably, probably too much. Um, but you know, I love YouTube and of course I'm a PE teacher as well. So I'm always stealing ideas. I think YouTube's a great Avenue if done the right way to pick up some great ideas. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. Because, uh, yes, I do. Because, uh, not only can you hear it, but you can, uh, if it's a drill, or a skill that they're going over. You can actually see it too. So um, again, I, I I just get back to uh, the, the key in, in all of this is, is to, to continue to keep a curious mind <clears throat> because every successful person I know uh, has the curiosity gene. Uh, they, they, they know that they don't know everything and they know that there are certain things they don't know that they need to know. So they go about the process of trying to learn those things. So, and I think it's a, a neat thing. It's kind of, uh, uh, it gives you a little boost when all of a sudden you read something that, oh yeah, that resonates with me. And I can use that somehow with my team or in, in my life, maybe with a a corporate talk or talk to a sports team, I can, I can f- kind of filter that in or, or put that, st- weave that story into the, into the uh, the talk. So, um, but I, I think the biggest thing is just uh, remain curious uh, because I think that's going to keep you vibrant through your entire life.
0: Yeah. And one thing I've stole from you, Kevin, matter of fact, I have it right in front of me. It's your Wilt notebook. I love that. You know, what have I learned today? Because I, I read and study so much, but I forget. I have it all down. And you're, you're kind of one of those that really taught me that you need to go back and clarify and, and highlight those key points right so hey hey i love your wilt notebook talk about your notebook that you write down in every day or you go back
1: yeah yeah so if if i pick something up uh could be an idea could be a a saying it could be a piece of terminology that's a, a better than than that which i use currently um Uh, That's what my Wilt notebook is. And and the Wilt notebook came about because it's now a personal challenge. So I have a game every day, really, uh, even though I left coaching three years ago. And that game is to uh, put an entry in to the Wilt notebook uh, each day. And people always ask me, well, how can you use all that? And and it's not that I'm going to use all that, but it was important enough. It resonated strongly enough that it's probably something that uh, I'll need to go back to at some point. Uh, So in essence, if if people can think it about it as uh, let's say it's a a highlight reel of of your life, all the things that you want to go back and, and, and maybe remember, well, that's what it is for me in terms of, um, uh, Kind of my my knowledge acquisition.
0: Yes, and uh, and sometimes I think we try to uh, we 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 have too many ideas in our head, and sometimes I try to kind of really pinpoint what are key points that we can establish and bring back to our programs. You know, one one of your key points I love. I have a friend of mine, Gene Durden, who coaches at Buford. Here in Atlanta, he's one of the best coaches, mentors that I know. He talks about truth. And he that's the one thing he talks about. He's going to tell his players the truth. That's your key word in your book, isn't it, Kevin?
1: Yeah, well, to me, the, the word truth is is probably the single most important word in all of success, no matter what we do. Because if we don't really know where we stand, if we don't know the truth about what we have not done yet, to get us to where we want to go, if we don't know the truth about uh, the things that we're doing well, that we need to continue to do, it's very difficult to get to where you want to go or become who you've always dreamed of becoming. So um, for me, the truth is just uh, the most essential ingredient, uh, not the only, but to me the most important ingredient in anyone becoming successful in anything that they endeavor to do.
0: Yeah, and, and give me an example of that because uh, I think a lot of coaches are – and G, actually not Gene, but um, Gina Arimba mentioned this the other day. He talks about – it was very controversial. It's like most coaches nowadays are afraid of their players. They're afraid of losing them. So they're not giving them the truth. I don't know if you saw that. Um, I think that's true. I think a lot of coaches – particularly even at the high school level, they don't want to lose their players. So they're going to kind of tell them what they want. What do you feel about that?
1: No, I, 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 I don't believe you tell people what they want. You tell them what they need to get to where they want to go. So, uh, and that all starts with, um, you know, you can look at uh, uh, some of the most successful coaches, either in college or the NBA, and you can see, Uh, that they can get on their players hard on occasion and the coaches do it in different ways. You know, even though Tony Bennett is, is uh, you know, when you say the word or or the two words, first class, he's probably the first guy you think of in terms of coaching, but don't let the public be fooled that he's never raised his voice at one of his players. Uh, He surely has. Um, And he would probably tell you that, but uh, how you do it, when you do it, and, and the most important thing, do you have a strong enough relationship that you're allowed to do it? Because uh, the stronger the relationship that you have with someone, the more truth can be told to that someone. So I would say to those coaches who are afraid to do it, uh, shame on you because you haven't developed a relationship strong enough yet where you can do it. You know, you think of maybe one of the nicest players ever to play uh, NBA basketball was uh, Timmy Duncan, and you think of some of the uh, uh, maybe some of the um, Wired sessions that the NBA does, or or uh, some of the stories you read about Pop. Uh, he got on Tim hard, real hard, but Tim knew why he was doing that. He didn't concern himself with the the delivery and the words. He concerned himself with the facts and the message of those words. And he knew that pop had his best interest at heart. It's just, he to- he was telling to me in a, a little different way than maybe someone else might. So uh, and even in my own life, I'm, I'm willing to accept hard truths uh, from people that I really believe want me to do really well. So that's how I look at it. So the onus is on me first. If I'm the truth teller, I have to develop the relationship that's strong enough where that, that person I'm telling it to, if nothing else, they will at least listen. They may not do it because a coach and a leader can't make someone do something. Uh, but if you can get them to really listen and, and think about what you said, uh, I think that's that's pretty much all we can do.
0: Yeah, and that's built over time, right, Kevin? I mean, this doesn't happen overnight. And uh, players are going to scoff. Coaches are going to scoff. I think as coaches, I think we need that more than anybody because a lot of times I'm not getting feedback from my administration. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at the high school level, I think we need it as coaches because there's a lot of times that we might be not doing the right thing. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, and that's why I think you have to have some – even if it's not your administration, uh, I, I, I just believe that people have to have, uh, truth tellers in their life, in their circle of of people, whoever they let into their circle, they got to let in a minimum of one and hopefully maybe two truth tellers, um, people that can really observe what you're doing, listen to what you're saying and, and give you, uh, truthful feedback on that. And then, um, you know, my guess would be if you if you allow them to be one of your truth tellers, then you would be willing to accept that from them.
0: Yes, and I, for some reason, Kevin, uh, I seek out older coaches and, be, you know, befriend them, and I know I have a lot of older coaches that I seek out advice, and they will tell you the truth. I don't know if it's just – I don't know. I, it's not as much younger coaches, but these older coaches, I think, uh, they're going to pretty much tell you what is uh, – you know, what they feel. They're going to give you an honest appraisal. And I absolutely love that. Hey, tell me about your story about Kobe Bryant. I love you. I love your Kobe Bryant stories. One of your words is until tell the audience a little bit about trying to master something until.
1: Yeah. Well, that was kind of uh, gosh, that was long ago now, but, uh, <laughs> Nike had brought us both into, uh, Las Vegas to do a little session with some, uh, some, you know, some really good high school players. And, um, one of the sessions that we did involved how to watch film and, uh, not to look at yourself on film, but actually how to watch it and how to maybe learn, uh, from what you see and be able to see some things you're doing well and not doing well. Uh, so that was the intent of the film session. And, uh, uh, during the film, he had uh, said to, to, to uh, stop it. So we stopped it and we ran it back and forth a couple of times. And, um, you know, I, I asked him, you know, Kobe, why are you why are you taking a look at this? And he said, well, you see that move there? You know, it's, it's something I can add to my game. So um, the next logical question for me was, okay, well, when you go to the gym tomorrow, uh, how many repetitions would you do it? How many shots would you take? it was a little footwork thing. And his answer was until, and then there was a kind of an awkward silence, um, uh, because everybody thought that he would go further with that sentence. Maybe he would say until an hour's up or until the, the coach I was working with would say, that's good. And there was, there was nothing afterwards. So I asked again, until when, and he said until a little more emphatically and, um, uh, in essence, you know, I, I finally got what he was saying. You know, a lot of players will work until they get 50 reps in. They'll work until 30 minutes or an hour is up. They'll work until the coach says that's enough. They'll work until it's time for dinner. They'll work, they'll work until it's time to go to the party. But what you find is the best try and work it until they master it that day. So there's no time limit on it as much as there is an, an improvement limit on it. I'm going to try to be the best at this I can today. And then I'll come back in the gym tomorrow and, and execute another session of until. So it, it's just that you find that uh, the best of the best are a little more committed. They're a little bit deeper with the things that they do, deeper in their thought, deeper in their preparation, Uh, deeper in the uh, intensity of the drills, uh, deeper in their conditioning, you know, all that stuff. They just take it to a greater depth. Um, And that's where the word until kind of became an important word uh, for me.
0: Yeah. Are are you saying that until really means that you're never going to master it? Is that is that kind of I, I guess the greats know that they're striving for something. They're always striving to get better. Um, and there might not be a mastery. Is that what you're saying too? Or Yeah,
1: yeah. But it's the constant uh, uh, quest to do it. Uh, I think you can get to the point where you feel really good about yourself that day and you felt you've done the best you can. Uh, and that doesn't mean that every, every workout has to be three hours. You know, there are some workouts with some players in the NBA where after about uh, 17 minutes of really high quality shooting, we might say to a player, hey, that's enough today. I mean, you you really got your rhythm back. Uh, uh, boy, you went on a roll of, of like uh, 45 straight perfect form shots. They didn't all go in, but they're not all going to go in. But it was the form and the repetition that we wanted today. And then other days you may go <clears throat> further. You know, I think everybody thinks that you have to like work longer hours than everyone else. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to probably work longer hours than the average player Uh, or the average anybody in any line of work. Um, But you try and, as you get older, what you find out is you try and be a little more efficient and a little more effective in those hours. There's very little. The thing I learned uh, coaching in the NBA is when a guy works out, there's very little wasted times, uh, seconds. There's even very little wasted shots or movement. Uh, They know what they want to accomplish. They go in there. And they work at it until they feel really good that day. Uh, they've mastered something they want to master that day. That doesn't mean they've mastered it. But it's gotten them a little bit better. And that's all the the, the truly great players. Very seldom do they... I mean, occasionally they might say the word best. But all the time they say the word better. Yeah, it's yeah, good point. They, they just want to get better. Because yeah. they know yeah. if they do enough days of getting better they probably will be the best.
0: Yes. And, and, and Brent, Brendan sir mentioned this cause he he's been talking a lot on his podcast about, about practicing about, and he's big on this and I love him for it. He says we're, we're doing too many, well, they say the NBA teams, they can prepare in one day, whereas a college team might take them two weeks to prepare And I always find that interesting. So I guess at the pro level, they know exactly there's no wasted time, right? Is that what you're saying? There's no wasted time at the pro level. They get right into the meat and potatoes.
1: Well, there's no wasted time. And uh, many of those guys have been around the game enough. And the season is so long um, that you kind of have a pretty good pre-understanding of a matchup or a team, you know, if you, as you think about it, there's only 29 other teams and there's only, you know, 449 other players. And of those 449, you don't have to know them all. You probably got to know, you know, maybe the top nine on each team. So it, you know, you're, you're able to do that. And then a young player, some people will say, well, what about a young player coming in? Well, they got to understand, they're going to have to study a little longer, maybe. Because the NBA doesn't wait around too long, right? Uh, You've you've got to, you've got to find ways to, uh, you know, professional sports is all about a race to maturity, who can mature the fastest of the young guys that come into the league, because they're the ones uh, that will get the, 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 the earliest playing times our playing time. And they're probably the ones that will last the longest because they understand that it is important to mature quickly and you can mature different ways. You can mature by the number of, of, uh, uh, times you're on the floor. You can mature by watching more film and learning that way. You can mature by talking to your coaches about, okay, why do we defend the pick and roll this way? And what's important again, coach, uh, there's so many ways you can mature, uh, that, that those who are really serious about it, they'll take advantage of all those different avenues and ways uh, to learn more about the game.
0: Yes. And there's, there's those separators, right. That separates those. They're they're all really great players, but there's always one or two things that will separate those great players. Right. Um, Particularly at that level. Uh, And I'm looking at uh, the NBA, uh, you know, the final four now, and it's like, which of those players, is it Culver? Is it Cassius? You know, a guy from Michigan state is, you know, is it, um you know, the couple guards from Virginia, uh, they're all talking about being possible pros and you, you just can't tell. But for you, what, what's the separator for these guys coming into the NBA? Is it not just the shot technique or anything? Is it the work ethic? Is it the, the studying? What, what is, what's the separator?
1: Oh, there's, a, there's, there's not just one separator. Uh, some of them are their, uh, resiliency. Can they deal with failure, their relentlessness? Uh, can they keep coming back, coming back, coming back? Uh, do they love the gym, you know, love getting in there because what you find with the best players, they love the gym. They love to work out. They love to, to, to work on their craft. Um, can they take coaching, uh, and sometimes hard and quick coaching, uh, can they uh, learn to see a play diagrammed on the whiteboard in a timeout huddle, a play they've never seen before, and then go out and execute it perfectly? Uh, because that happens all the time. How quickly uh, can you uh, absorb information? So there's, there, there's a number of separators, but, but, but probably the biggest one is uh, I've got a lot to learn and am I going to set my mind to be a, a curious learner about this new level?
0: Yes. And, and help. Uh, most of my coaches are high school coaches like me, small time coaches that love the game. What can you do? Take your book. And I love your book, by the way, talk about how they can take ideas and words from your book and apply it to a high school or youth team.
1: Well, the book book was written to be uh, uh, level void. Levels have nothing to do with it. This is about, the book was written about uh, with the, the sole purpose in mind, no matter what you do in life, no matter what job you have, no matter what level you're at, all of us probably, I don't think anyone wakes up in the morning and says, man, I can't wait to get worse today. I want to be the worst coach or the worst at my profession in the world. <laughs> no one does that. Everybody really wants to get a little bit better. Uh, so the, the, the book was written um, to, to, to help people to understand that, that all of us have more inside of us. We all have more inside that we can bring out to become better at whatever it is we're trying to do. So uh, what I was able to do was take all my 35 plus years in coaching and being around some, some highly uh, successful people and elite athletes and coaches and um, extract the commonalities and then once I extracted what were the common themes and thoughts and routines and habits and rituals, then I was able to, uh, and this was the hardest part of the book, simplify that so that you could read it very quickly and then you can make your decision. I'm going to insert that into my life or the way I do things, or I'm going to just remain who I am. And and now I don't I don't need to do that. And what people will find as they pick up the book and just browse through it is, Many of the words are words that they've heard before. And they may even say, oh, I use those words. I know what those are. Well, the separator is this. A lot of people who are average, they have these words in their vocabulary. The people who really succeed and the people who become who they've always dreamed of becoming and they reach the goals that they've set for themselves, they're the ones who don't just have these words in their vocabulary. They actually live these words every day. Like, it's not easy to live the word truth every day, to be able to take it, to be able to tell it, to be able to live the truth. That's not an easy task each and every day. So, um, but if people are willing to uh, read, say, read the book, think about those words that are in the book because they're common words to all successful people in any walk of life. And then at the end, uh, make a couple of decisions. Uh, do I want to redefine some of these words for myself so that they mean more to me? Uh, another decision is, uh, are these the only words I want to have in my success journey uh, that are reminders to me? And then the, probably the biggest decision they have to make is, okay, am I going to insert these into my life and actually execute them whenever they pop into my life? Because it, it, there, there, there may be a day where uh, one of the words just, it doesn't come up in your day. Certain words always come up that are in the book. Standards, it always comes up. Because everything you do, are you going to do it to the highest standard that you set for yourself? Uh, uh, intentional is another word. Uh, you should have an intent each day you wake up to whatever it is you're trying to do. Uh truth probably comes in every every single day. If nothing else, uh live the truth. Meaning I say I want to be a good basketball player, or a good coach. Well, do what good players and good coaches do. That's the truth of that day. Uh improve, learn, grow. That's what they do. Work on things, repetitions. So that was really the intent of a book and a long-winded answer.
0: No, I love that. And um I absolutely love the power of words and I we utilize a lot of that in our program, uh, even for individual games. Um, we always have a word of the day for practice. So I, I really—that's one thing I got from that book—and we really utilize that. Hey, our our time is up, Kevin. I sure appreciate it, but can can you tell me one more? I'm I'm, I'm comparing the uh, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers right now, and and what I see. The difference is, is culture, not personnel. I know you probably got to be careful what you say, but the Clippers have really done a great job. And I know you're close to them on building the right culture. I'm not sure about the Lakers. And I think that's maybe why they're struggling. Can you tell me a little bit about why culture is so important more than personnel?
1: Well, uh, actually, you, you know, I, I, I would tell you that, uh, that no matter what line of work you're in, whether you walk into a corporate office or a professional locker room, uh, it's the combination of people that might be equal to, if not more important than culture. Because I have seen uh, great cultures be destroyed by bad people. Mm. And I have seen um, uh, really, really good people even living in a a bad culture, at least they can survive because they're good people. They'll have some successes simply because they're not going to, to, to buy into that, that, that negative uh, uh, culture, you know, but they're probably going to try and leave that culture, but they can at least keep it afloat. So people really become critical in this whole scheme of a, of a, of, of a team in an organization or, or a company. And then the other factor there is is your values, because really your values are what sets your culture. So you could argue that values are even more important than culture, because culture is an accumulation of your values that you live out every single day. So, uh, you know, I, I know all the books right now are talking about uh, culture being the, uh, the omnipresent, all important, uh, most critical and vital ingredient to success. Uh, but I, I would argue values and people are, are, uh, every bit and who knows maybe even a tad more important than culture. Yeah. And you
0: have to teach the right behavior, right? That's part, that's part of building the culture. Um, and definitely it's one thing that, um, we're trying to apply in our program. So many th- great ideas I got from you, Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time out. I know you're busy. Um, thank you for being a mentor of mine and I appreciate what you're doing for the coaching profession. But again, thank you so much for joining us.
1: No, it's, it's my pleasure. Keep doing what you're doing because, uh, you just never know who's going to be listening and which one of your guests is going to be able to resonate with that, that, uh, uh, coach or player, either him or her, uh, and maybe it can help uh, turn his or her career around. You never know.
0: Yes, and absolutely. I'm going to really try to promote your book. Uh, I know a lot of my coaching friends um, are really going to have a lot of questions and so forth, but uh, I, I love your book and I appreciate what you're doing for our profession. Thanks again, Kevin. Okay. My pleasure. See you. Thank you. Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year, and I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Dish B-Ball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast.
1: Hi, this is Jeff Jasper, head basketball coach at Pasquette Valley High School in New Jersey. If you haven't listened to Kevin's championship podcast, you're missing out. This guy's got a passion for the game, great insights, and he interviews some pretty cool people. I must say he interviewed me. I had a lot of fun. Best to all of you. Take care.